many of us saw Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes injure his ankle in the NFL playoffs a couple weeks back and returned in eight days later to win another game. That's a high-profile injury that has gained a lot of interest in the sports medicine world. A few years back, Tua Tungvaloa had an innovative surgery which allowed him to play following a high ankle sprain, and he was back for a college playoff game just weeks later. Somehow, we all think we can do the same. Hello, and welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update, produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program, or JSMP, in Jacksonville, Florida. JSMP is a nonprofit advocacy and prevention program that is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. In today's podcast, we are talking with a former head athletic trainer and physical therapist of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is now a sports medicine analyst for NBC Sports and covers the sidelines on Sunday night and Thursday night football. Please welcome Mike Ryan of Mike Ryan Sports Medicine. Hi there, Mike. Thank you. Hello, Jim. Good to see you again, as always. All right. Thank you so much. So these high ankle sprains, what's the difference in them, uh, some of the nuances versus um, we just step off a curb and have sometimes what we may call a slight ankle sprain that comes with pain and swelling and that. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the differentiation between what you say, Jim, with the lateral ankle sprain is the spraining of the ligaments on the outside of the ankle, kind of where the outside of the shin meets the ankle, if you will. Well, a high ankle sprain is very different because it involves the interosseous membrane, which is a thick membrane between the two bones of the shin. So when that those two bones of the shin spread, you're actually ripping that ligament. So in, in a sense, it's a spraining or an instability of the top half of the ankle joint. So much more significant injury, typically slower to heal. Um, and obviously a lot more painful with typical, other than what we saw this past weekend, uh, a longer downtime. Okay, so you saw the injury, you were there, but kind of describe yes. the mechanism of injury because his ankle turned inward and rotated as the athlete landed on the outside of his ankle, but it was a lot of force on the inside. So kind of describe that a little bit more if you can. Well, a common mechanism for a high ankle sprain compared to a lateral ankle sprain is you get that excessive external rotation of the foot in relationship to the knee. So it was a classic mechanism. You saw Patrick, he got that foot kind of pinned to the ground, the foot being the right ankle, the right foot got externally rotated in relationship to the shin and the knee. And when, when I first saw it, I was on the sideline with Melissa Stark for the Sunday night game, that playoff game. I initially thought, this very well may well be a knee injury. So you saw the knee kind of buckle in, the shin externally rotate. Um, and I think it was a, a perfect example of great flexibility uh, and great range of motion that allowed him to get in that position. Yeah, he got a, a low-grade high ankle sprain, uh, but he walked away from that without a knee injury. So that, that rotational component is kind of the big element that typically separates a lateral ankle sprain from a high ankle sprain. Okay. So we assume he eventually went in and got an x-ray just to make sure there was no structural damage like that. He was able to come back, uh, probably taped up very strongly, um, had a limp, obviously had some pain in that. But what's the um, what's the risk reward here? Uh, what further damage can I do uh, as a high school college athlete by attempting to play on it? Because we're talking big money, big situation. Uh, there's kind of no tomorrow in this, but uh, what's some of the risk reward that you see in this? Well, the risk initially is the, the, the injury itself, and you can make it worse because with the spreading of those two bones, 
like I said, you rip that interosseous membrane, which is the membrane between the two of those bones. And very much like uh, I know, Jim, you've got a strong lumberjack background and when you're splitting wood and, and you, you're slamming that wedge in the wood as that goes in deeper, those two pieces of wood come apart farther. And that's exactly what happens with that rotation. So that membrane, the more those bones spread, the more tearing takes place in that interosseous membrane. So you can increase the amount of tearing of that membrane, obviously making the injury worse. But also the concern with this with non-professional athletes as well is you can set up secondary issues. You start running very differently. You can create more stress in the knee, depending how you're taped or um, your overall strength. You put load on the low back. You, you're not as fast, so you're more susceptible to other contact issues and contact sports. So this isn't something you, when it happens, you put the blinders on and only look at the ankle. There is a risk factor of making the ankle injury worse, making things both below and above that ankle injury um, injured as well, because the, the risk of injury for those because of that compensation uh, goes up as well. Right. When you, you, you brought up the possibility of a knee injury, which brings to mind, don't just kind of look at the obvious sometimes. Think about the other things that could be there. So you look at that ankle and you see that pain, but let's look further up the chain there and see, was there a knee sprain of some sort? Uh, just something to look at in that. Exactly. So, and I think to, to that point, Jim, is you know, at, players want to play and they want to stay on the field. So the main focus, you saw as soon as he got up, what did he do? He grabbed his lower shin, which really kind of puts the, the focus on that. And to your point, you can focus on the ankle, but yeah, that may be the most – uh, glaring injury that it may have, but a thorough evaluation of having him run, having him move, looking at the knee, looking at everything, not just where is the most pain, because sometimes you find those secondary injuries and to find those secondary injuries before they get back in the game is very, very important compared to getting back in the game and suddenly they have an increased risk or another injury gets worse. You want to know that before they get back in the game and the sideline or the athletic training room is a perfect place to do that. Okay. So, um, what we do know, uh, he credited his athletic trainer. He credited the good Lord for helping him get ready, who is the great physician anyway. Sure. But uh, he uh, he involved himself in four to five hours of treatment uh, every day, according to what he has said in that. So what do you think that um, that treatment and rehabilitation process look like? Well, Rick Burker, Rick Burkholder is the head athletic trainer for the Chiefs. Very, very good friend. Great athletic trainer. So Patrick was in great hands with Rick kind of overseeing his care. They also have a physical therapist, Julie Freimeyer. She's only one of five female physical therapists at work in the NFL. And Julie is very good at managing these kind of injuries. So with those two and the whole medical staff, because this is a true uh, team effort when you're working on something like this, but th their focus was on restoring range of motion of the ankle, kind of working around that membrane, if you will, working on flexibility, calf strength, uh, great mobility throughout the whole foot. So it's a good way of looking at that, Jim, is their, their focus was on getting everything around this high ankle sprain optimal, to have optimal range of motion, optimal strength, uh, optimal function. So it takes a lot of the stress off that membrane. So you can control and having good range of motion of the ankle can control having too much of that excess external rotation that we talked about, which was the mechanism of injury. So they did a good job of preparing everything around there, being smart about what he did at practice. And in the first five or six days with an injury like this, it's, it's, it's important what you do, but it's also important what you don't do. So getting him doing the right kind of thing, focusing on the things that he can do so he's not setting himself back during the week. And that obviously gave him the best chance to playing in the game. And I thought he played very well with that injury. And I think it's a great credit 
to uh, Rick Burkholder, Julie Freimeyer, um, and the chief's medical staff. Right, because you you could tell some movements bothered him, but you're focusing on pain management. You're focusing Absolutely. on uh, range of motion, more flexion extension types of things without and in, in limiting any type of inversion, eversion type activities and that. A lot of hands-on um I still believe our hands are one of the most important things we as athletic trainers can Absolutely. use. So um, whether any type of massage, uh, mobilization type techniques, things that are available to us that we can use. And then they've got these high fancy uh, modalities. I'm sure they have access to compression garments and uh, then just keeping the ankle stabilized when he's not in treatment and that so that uh it can it can heal, but then also healing with motion as well. So exactly. putting it all together, it's not uh, putting it in a plaster cast like we did a hundred years ago. Absolutely, no. Well said. And that. So, um, what are some of the taping and strapping options going forward? What are some of the materials, guidelines, things that you're finding? Um, I've heard everything from obviously moleskin to adhesive tape to the um, McConnell tape is very uh, restrictive, but gives you the stability. And then your, um, I don't want to mention names, but other types of very flexible tape. So what are your, what are you looking for? I always learned, you know, the closer you can get it to the skin, the better. We, in this day and age, we use under wrap, but uh, again, uh, so I'm taking away from what I want to hear you say. So go right ahead there. No, it's a great point. And, and I love rehabbing high ankle sprains because they're very challenging. And you get 10 guys, 10 football players with high ankle sprains. And once you get them ready to play, you're going to go probably 10 different tape jobs. And everybody wants a different variation of that. So during the week, it's a lot of trial and error. Do a little bit of that to stabilize. Some guys like a really hard tape job around the shin itself to give more stability. You're kind of replicating what that membrane did when it was at 100% where other guys hate that much compression, they want more mobility. So you're always kind of trial and error. Do a little of this, do a little of that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of orthotics, if there's any kind of alignment issue. And I know for a fact that um, Patrick Mahomes is wearing orthotics already from his toe injury he had last year. So that tells you he has a good alignment of his base of support, which is his arches and his feet. That does a lot because your base of support, I don't care if it's your feet, your car, your house, a good, solid, efficient base of support really helps everything above it. So that's a big plus going forward. But that tape job, uh, the one I used to like to use that I found a majority of the players liked underneath their tape job is a mulligan spiral tape job. And what that is, it's, it's a tape you put right on the skin. It's, it's like duct tape on steroids because it's very, very sticky. And you use it to grab the end of the fibula. And again, the fibula is a small, very mobile bone on the outside of the ankle. That bone only bears about one-seventh of your weight. But again, it's one half of the stabilizing of that interosseous membrane. And with this McConnell spiral tape job, you used to like to grab the end of that fibula and pull it backwards and then spiral it back over the Achilles and back up to the front of the shin. So what it does, it allows that fibula of the lower outside of the shin to sit farther backwards, and it naturally creates more range of motion of the ankle. It gives stability of that lower shin without compressing the lower shin. So I would find a majority of the guys with the high ankle sprains when they're ready to play, that would be part of the tape job underneath it. Well, what would go on top of that? Like you brought up, Jim, it could be moleskin to give more stability side to side. It could be an elastic wrap. It could be heavy on the heel locks to stabilize that calcaneus from inverting or everting. 
Uh, some guys just want um, a shorter elastic tape job that has more mobility. So it's a wide range of trial and error to say, how much stability do I have, which allows me to be more functional? Because stability and mobility inversely related. You want it really tight to kind of limit it and support it, but now you don't have as much range of motion. Depending right. on the player, the injury, the position, those can greatly vary. Exactly. Great points. Uh, you taught an old dog new tricks with that uh, pulling that fibula back. Um, but let me ask you this. Um, heel locks, do you like to pull up or do you pull down? I see that in, in a variety of things. You know, I think you know yeah. what I'm visualizing talking Absolutely. about pulling from the base up on the outside and the inside or coming around from the behind down to the heel. Your yeah. thoughts. And that can vary and everyone's different. And, and I think some people just put HELOCs and put HELOCs. But like you, with every piece of tape you put on someone, you want to know what's the function of this tape job and what's the function of this one piece of tape. My big thing is I want to control that calcaneus from swinging too far inward because when it rolls inward or AD ducts, it's setting up an inversion element to the talocural joint, which is the ankle joint. So for me, I want to keep that calcaneus more laterally which kind of supports the lateral component, especially that anterior talofibular ligament. So for me, I want to grab that calcaneus and pull it lateral. So a lot of times I will go on the lateral side, I will go posterior and then swing it up from an anterior back up towards the ankle joint. I know that got a little deep mechanic wise, but you know what I mean? My, my focus is I want to control that calcaneus because if I control the calcaneus, I control the subtalar joint, I control the talocural joint. If I'm doing that in, in my, the way I'm thinking about it, I'm controlling the entire mechanism from the ground to the shin. Exactly. That's great. Uh, my mentor, uh, Chris Patrick, taught me every piece of tape you put on should have a purpose and a function. It's not just well, putting on tape there. So well let's said. Go you know what, what a great um, mind Chris Patrick was. I, I learned a lot from him. I, I didn't go to school like you did with him. Uh, but no, he was he was a master and such a such a smart guy that um, that's a great point that I remember that he said that. And I will say, I'm old school, but I said, tape it to the skin at the top. He's putting, this is personal, but putting under wrap on and then not taping to the skin is like a fancy sock. But Absolutely. Because if, if think about if you're, if, if you, everything is going to that anchor and if the anchor moves, you lose all your stability. Right. Okay, so opinions there and and some sure. research too. <laughs> Art, that's why that's why athletic training is an art and a science. Absolutely, so, absolutely, and why it makes it so much fun as well. That, that's right, and we're very creative. So, all right, we've talked about the inside, what goes on inside the sock and inside the shoe. Let's talk about spatting. spatting. What is a spat? He was spat upon or. What is this spat? Is it for visual looks? Does it really help? Is it the cherry on top of the milkshake or, or the cherry on top? Or what is it? What's its function? And I'm going to add this too. How can we explain to people it's not for everybody? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's it a great might point. Not, it, it might not be for everybody. Sure. And a spat is a tape job over the shoe itself. And the function of it, in theory, is to basically keep the shoe and the foot more stable together. So it's adding like a, you're, you're, you're reinforcing the support of the shoe to the ankle. So the shoe stays in place. Is it for everybody? No. Um, 
it looks good. It looks pretty cool. It's a little bit more comfortable than tape on the skin. So some guys try to do it. I, I used to have a, like a general rule for most players is you don't need a spat if you don't have a tape job under the sock. So if you get a, if you get a tape job, you really need ankle support and then you put your shoe on and you need more support, a spat is perfect for that. And, and again, even with some of the old turf shoes, depending on the, the position, sometimes the, the spat can take away from the traction of the shoe. So in some ways, you may give the ankle a little bit of support, but you're losing traction. Well, I, I think it's a problem with most players, you know, unless it's a veteran who's been doing this for a long time, is sometimes just a lone spat with no tape underneath it. I don't know how much benefit you're really going to get for that. And, and to one point here, when Patrick Mahomes got hurt, and I saw that against the Jaguar game in that divisional game, is he came to the sideline, he was walking around, talked to Rick Burkholder, talked to the team physician, sat down like he was going to get spatted, which is taped over the shoe, and he just pushed the guys away and ran out without a spat off. So he went and played, returned to the play without a spat. Eventually he got a spat, got a new tape job inside once he got that x-ray. So there's an example of he was able to play without a spat, which is a, gives you a really good sign of how he's able to move without the additional tape job. But again, a spat isn't for everybody. It's an additional tape job, which gives a, additional support, again, depending on the player and if whether it's an injury or prophylactically just trying to prevent an injury. Very good. So uh, give a little of your wisdom here. Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I want my ankle taped. Uh, are there some questions we should be asking or should we just tape it? Well, I, I have no problem taping it. You know, in the NFL, we go through about 90 miles of tape per team per year. So there's a lot of taping. It does give some support. Could you look at the research and say, oh, it can make your ankles weaker over time? Yes. You know, is it a, is it a big expense item for schools that don't have that kind of budget? Yes. Um, but I think a way of giving it some stability, preventing injuries, preventative medicine isn't something you can measure and say, guess what? By all the tape jobs, I prevented 23 ankle sprains. You can't do that. So you have to kind of rely on wisdom and say, hey, if I'm giving this ankle joint stability, it's a good quality tape job. The players have, um, they're doing enough exercise without the tape job during the agility drills and conditioning stuff during the week. So they're not just every time they're on the field, they're in a heavy tape job, which could make the ankle weak. Um, if I had any concerns with that, in addition to the taping, they'd come in to do pre preventative ankle strengthening, balance work, BOSU ball work. So you're kind of getting that strength on top of that. But again, if we can prevent injuries and, and keep guys on the field and uh, keep people safer and healthier, uh, I have no problem with taping. I, and I think it's an important part of what we do as athletic trainers. And I think another good element to keep people on the field safely. Exactly. And again, every situation is different. If it's the one lone athletic trainer in high school, time management and all that, he may sure. prefer kids are getting some stretching beforehand, some rehab. Is there any history involved in this? Is just for show or because you saw the third stringer get it? So you think you need it? You know, so a lot of variables in there, but those exactly. are all great. And to that point, Jim, from a money-saving point of view, I, I push a lot of people from some of the high school youth sports. They may not have access to an athletic trainer or there's some financial things of getting a really well-designed, well-fitting ankle brace that they can lace up with the Velcro wraps around it. And some studies have shown that those, when it's hot and you're sweaty, at the end of practice gives more stability than a tape job that probably would loosen up as practice went on. So it's a good option if they need that and you start wearing some of them. And they're not like the old ones. I won't say the names of them that we use when we first got in the business gym that were really big and restraining. It was almost like a tourniquet. Some of these functional neoprene ones now give really good stability. They can put them on by themselves. So I think for gaining stability, preventing injuries, there's another thing that financially is very, very feasible 
in, in a lot of ways, keep the athletes safe and they can do it, whether they're playing at home or playing at the park or playing with their sports team at, at school. Okay. As we wrap this up, talk, you mentioned a little bit of it, but talk about some of the importance of preparation and prevention uh, through these rehabilitation exercises. What are some things that the uh, parent could encourage your high school or youth sports student to uh, to do to help prevent these things in the first place? It doesn't cost a lot of money. These things being, I assume, uh, high ankle sprains or ankle sprains in general? Ankle sprains in general, yes. Okay. Well, a couple of things is balance. You want one side of your body to be the same as the other. So simple things of you want the range of motion of one ankle to be the same as the other. And a great example of that, Jim, is just to have them stand in an athletic position, barefoot on the ground, and do a squat. Don't let the heels come off the ground. So you just want to focus on bringing those knees as far forward as you can over your toes and see what your ankle range is. Because if you have really stiff ankles, suddenly your heels going to want to come off the ground. But if you keep those heels down and suddenly your, say your left knee goes two inches in front of your big toe, but your right one only goes to your toenail, that's showing that that, that foot and that ankle does not have range of motion, you're at a higher risk of injury. So that's a good one, a simple range of motion assessment. They're doing that with the legs straight and with the legs bent. Other thing is balance and spend a lot of time balancing, standing on one foot, on a pillow, on the grass, shoe on, shoe off, playing catch with the ball, jumping from one foot to the other, eyes open, eyes closed, just really working on that balance. And if suddenly you see one side because of maybe a history of ankle sprains or any of the previous injury, suddenly balance on one side is really poor. That's again, that's a blinking light in the dashboard that says that ankle is going to be at a higher risk. Um, really good flexibility of the calf muscles uh, and the Achilles. Um, good strength of the arches. Uh, all my patients in my physical therapy clinic, when I tell them, when you're sitting home watching TV and the commercials come on, put some peanuts, nuts, and bolts on the ground, start picking stuff up with your toes, grabbing things with your toes, getting your arches, which are the dynamic stabilizers of your arch, which is your base of support, getting your arches really, really strong is another very simple way to prevent not just ankle injuries, but injuries as a whole. So I think those are three simple things. Great ankle range of motion, equal on both sides, um, great strength of the calf and Achilles, and great balance. I think those, uh, and along with arch strength, I think those are three or four simple ways that can decrease your risk of ankle injuries. Those are all great. Thank you very much, Mike. Bottom line, bottom line, let's be realistic. Get the care we need. Don't turn a minor sprain into something major or disabling. So we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. JSMP is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Make sure your school or sports team is safely prepared is to have a certified ed- and a licensed athletic trainer present. Please check out our website at JAXSMP. We'll put some uh, hints in our show notes about our guest and about uh, the topic we talked about today. The Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by JSMP. Your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Join us again soon. Thank you very much.